0: section 19 of the heroines of history this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by adam marsetich july 2010 the heroines of history by john s jenkins section 19 josephine part two madame Beauharnois was filled with terror at the news of the long-dreaded catastrophe she exerted all her influence and eloquence to save him she too was imprisoned in the gloomy walls of a monastery belonging to the carmelite priests the other prisons being already crowded hortense was kindly cared for by a friend of josephine and eugene was adopted by a poor artisan with whom he labored employing his leisure hours in study and military exercises madame beauharnois was not alone in her imprisonment her room and the adjoining ones were occupied by ladies of rank who like herself suffered innocently and waited in hourly expectation of being led forth to execution in the midst of all this terror and grief madame beauharnois preserved a calm, fearless aspect, in part supported by her belief in the prediction of her strange future. To inspire her terrified companions with courage, she assured them it had been foretold she was to be Queen of France, and if the prophecy was to be fulfilled, they should surely escape death. Thus she consoled and amused her trembling companions, while, At every entrance of the harsh, unfeeling jailer, they were nearly paralyzed with fear, lest their turn had come to be conducted to the guillotine. To their own perilous condition was added a distressing anxiety for the fate of relatives. They managed to obtain journals, in which were lists of the executed, but no one had courage to glance over those pages of crime or could read with unfaltering voice the names of friends numbered among the victims of the bloody rosspiret one morning as josephine read the list she came to the name of her own husband a cry of agony announced to the pale group about her what her lips could not articulate and she fell senseless to the floor surrounded by companions to whom her kindness and gentleness had endeared her she received every attention in their power to bestow yet was restored with great difficulty repeated fainting fits succeeded the shock and the ensuing illness delayed her execution a few days afterwards a friend found means to allay the intense anxiety of the remaining prisoners by adroitly thrusting a slip of paper through the grating of the window it contained the cheering words rusperi and his accomplices are marked for accusation be quiet you are saved what a relief to the long-continued fears of the exhausted prisoners and when on the following day the great iron doors were thrown back for their free egress with what joy they left behind the grating locks the barred windows the cheerless cells and breathed a pure free air again then came the thought of beloved and dear faces they were to see no more the remembrance of the family circle broken scattered and bleeding under the iron tread of a mad tyranny they could not seek even the fireside doubly dear for the sake of the lost without home or shelter They could only depend upon the bounty of those who had escaped such an accumulation of calamities. With nothing left of all her estates, her relations equally deprived of their wealth and unable to assist her, Josephine was nearly reduced to a state of indigence and depended upon her own exertions and those of her young son Eugene for support to him she read and re-read the treasured letter Beauharnois had penned just before his execution full of touching affection regret for the doubts he had ever entertained of his wife's love anxiety for her and the fate of their children and overflowing with tenderness towards them all this last gift these words of remembrance were dwelt upon with tears by mother and son while they fired eugene with the wrongs of france and made him impatient for the arm and voice of manhood straightened in their means josephine applied to tallien and succeeded after a time in obtaining a small indemnity from the public property which enabled them to live comfortably with economy she educated her children by the exercise of her own abundant talents the only amusement in which she indulged was a daily visit to the saloons of her friend, Madame Fontenoy, where were assembled those who, like herself, suffered from the events of the Revolution, and had not even their titles remaining. Thus, Madame Beuharnot passed a long time in seclusion till, through Tallien's exertions, a compensation for her sequestered estates were given her by which means she perfected eugene's education he being placed under the discipline of general hoche with whom he acquired the military skill for which he was afterwards distinguished napoleon bonaparte was now the rising star of france he was received in society as a distinguished guest notwithstanding his lack of noble blood he commanded notice by his unquestionable talent energy and ambition as well as by his exciting wit and his eccentricities he had heard much of madame buharnaud through a friend entitled in her secret memoirs madame chat wren whose soires he frequented He was also interested in her as the mother of Eugene, who attracted his particular commendation by the bold manly freedom with which he had presented himself and demanded the privilege of wearing his father's sword. Josephine and Napoleon met one day, just after the daring Corsican's feats with the Parisian division of troops, newly placed under his command. The meeting was at the house of their mutual friend, and of this occasion she says, While sitting by a window, I was looking at some violets of which my friend took the greatest care, when suddenly the famous Bonaparte was announced. Why, I was unable to tell, but that name made me tremble. A violent shudder seized me on seeing him approach. I dared, however, to catch the attention of the man who had achieved so easy a victory over the Parisians. The rest of the company looked at him in silence. I was the first to speak to him. "'It seems to me, citizen general,' said I, "'that it is only with great regret "'that you have spread consternation through the capital.' "'Should you reflect a moment upon the frightful service you have performed, "'you would shudder at its consequences.' "'Tis quite possible, madame,' said he. "'The military are but automata. "'They know nothing but to obey. "'The most of my guns were charged only with powder. "'I only aim to give the Parisians a small lesson. "'Tis, besides, my seal that I have set upon France.' The calm tone, the imperturbable sang-froid, with which Bonaparte recounted the massacre of so many of the unhappy citizens of Paris, roused my indignation. These light skirmishes, said he, are but the first corsications of my glory. Ah, said I, if you are to acquire glory at such a price, I would much rather count you among the victims madame beauharnaud conceived the greatest dislike for napoleon at this interview which was not lessened during succeeding visits she considered him a vain ambitious boaster nor was she at all attracted by his personal appearance pale slender and short she donned him the title of little bonaparte and made sport of his eccentricities to his friends her dislike for him increased so much that she finally discontinued her visits to madame chat rennes to avoid him but as she expresses it the more she sought to avoid him the more he multiplied himself in her way barras one of the directors strongly urged her to accept napoleon predicting his future greatness and informing her of his intended appointment by the directory as General-in-Chief of the Army to Italy. It was some time, however, before she could give her consent to the proposals, or become interested in the singular man who professed the strongest attachment for her. When she finally promised her hand, she concealed the fact from all her friends, dreading their reproaches. Upon her marriage, which occurred March 9th, 1796, two days before Bonaparte set out upon his campaign to Italy, all Paris was in commotion at the unexpected event, and more especially her friends from whom she had kept the secret. Josephine is described in this, her 28th year, as by no means beautiful, but her manners and deportment were particularly graceful there was a peculiar charm in her smile and sweetness in her tones she also dressed with an infinite degree of taste she remained in paris at bonaparte's luxurious hotel in rue Chantarine, where she was constantly surrounded by the most distinguished persons of paris assembled to do homage to the interesting wife of the general who was creating such a lively sensation throughout France. During the three following months, nothing was talked of among the Parisians but the brilliant victories of the young general, who was striking terror in all Europe by his skillful strokes and unheard-of success. He had already penetrated into the very heart of Italy. Couriers were daily dispatched to Josephine, keeping her fully informed of all his movements the victory of milan achieved the austrians were conquered and the italians paid homage to the daring commander he won their admiration while he subdued them nothing was needed to complete his satisfaction but the presence of his wife to share his honors in his frequent letters he entreated her to come readily obeying his slightest wish she left hortense in charge of madame campan to complete her education and proceeded by rapid stages to italy the land of sapphire skies towering mountains and hills luxuriant with fragrant vineyards and rich in palaces and cathedrals abounding in magnificent cities and enlivened with a population in gay and picturesque costumes these scenes enchanted josephine who was animated with a glowing appreciation of the beautiful and sublime napoleon gave her a cordial and enthusiastic reception the milanese were full of curiosity and eagerness to behold the wife of the wonderful warrior to their excited imaginations He seemed the god of war personified, or at least possessed of some wonderful talisman by which armies were made to vanish at his pleasure. All the distinguished and the elite of Milan paid court to Madame Bonaparte, who captivated them at once by her irresistible sweetness and affability. If they had honored Napoleon before, their ardor and worship was redoubled at the additional charm with which the musical and love-name of Josephine invested him. Balls, fêtes, and concerts succeeded one another in the bewildering profusion of magnificence, and the princess of Italian states were outdone in the display and state of Madame Bonaparte's court. The expense occasioned by this outlay, together with her generous gifts, caused some reproof from napoleon but he was silenced by her adroit reasoning in some sort said she your wife ought to eclipse the courts of the sovereigns who are at war with the french republic napoleon continued his conquests forcing his way even to the midst of rome and humbling the pope in his own high and hitherto invulnerable place while josephine remained at milan conquering the hearts of the people and keeping them in complete submission by her prompt and efficient measures munificent gifts conciliating kindness and flowing sympathy it was here in italy that napoleon learned the rare traits of his wife he plainly saw she was to be henceforth indispensable to his advancement security and glory Here she first acquired the strong influence over him that ceased only in her death, with the satisfaction of rendering her position safe, by keeping him informed of the secret jealousies and intentions of the Directory in France, by a clear, unerring judgment, gaining a clear voice in his diplomatic measures as well as martial movements, by her address, securing an unbounded influence over the admiring Italians, with nothing to fear and everything to hope. Josephine was seeing her happiest days. She was sipping from the golden cup of fame and splendor, but like all the rest who partake of its enticing draughts, she found bitter dregs underneath the sparkle and foam. After the campaign signalized by Wormser's decisive defeat, Napoleon returned to triumph to Milan, where Madame Bonaparte had remained and celebrated there the anniversary of the Republic with the utmost pomp and costly luxury. The round of pleasure quickly wearied the hero, who delighted most in the sounds and excitement of the battlefield, to which he eagerly returned the constant display and stately ceremony that josephine was obliged to keep up during his absence was fatiguing and distasteful to her but once freed from this restraint she breathed with intense delight the perfumed air of the enchanting country around milan upon one occasion she visited with napoleon the singular and beautiful islands of lake maggiore from which rose luxurious villas surrounded by terraced gardens where the citron myrtle and fragrant orange trees perpetually blossomed and hung heavy with tempting fruit these lay in the midst of the lake and clear glassy waters rippled here and there before the swift prows of winged boats plying to and from the switzer's shores beyond toward the alps the eye falling first upon vine-covered slopes wandered farther over wooded heights then above and beyond to where white and gray rocks boldly outlined shot up in snowy peaks lost in a veil of blue mist that shaded into crimson when the rays of the evening sun had left the valley to linger in warmest colors upon the unclimbed heights the beautiful city of venice too called forth her enthusiastic ecomiums its massive palaces costly churches and wondrous bridges everywhere spanning the streets of water through which only noiseless gondolas continually plied, its delicious gardens decorated with innumerable statues, vases, fountains, and the gay, musical people, in endless varieties of dress, everywhere lending a lively aspect, together gave an air of storied romance that threw the French women of Josephine's suite in ecstasies of delight. The Venetians, greeted the wife of the victor with flattering honors while she with her characteristic generosity lavished gifts and kindnesses upon them that riveted their extravagant adoration by her thoughtful intervention the rigors and devastation of war were in a measure checked cities were spared pillage the vanquished treated magnanimously and the helpless protected acts which exalted and endeared her to the italians far more than her gifts and secured the devotion of her husband half jealous by her evident power i conquer provinces josephine conquers hearts was his playful comment suspicions of the directory and knowing their wish and intention to dispose in some way of a man whose growing power and ambition they had reason to fear napoleon suddenly and promptly returned to paris leaving josephine at milan she was not suffered to remain long even the most virtuously great do not escape malice and calumny knowing this Josephine could hardly have expected to have been spared the groundless scandal which was cunningly whispered into the ears of the impetuous, exacting, and jealous hero. Napoleon commanded her immediate return, which she obeyed without delay. He received her with unkindness, and, for a time, their domestic harmony was interrupted by the interposition of a friend a reconciliation was effected the hotel in rue chancerine was now too humble for the famed and laurel crowned victor in order to maintain a household more in keeping with his position josephine purchased malmaison an elegant country seat in environs of paris napoleon's restless ambition would not allow him luxurious repose, neither did the timid directory wish the presence of so dangerous a man. The French regarded him as their deliverer, and were already fascinated with the name around which clusters so much glory and so much odium. Fearful of the results, the directory gladly acquiesced to the proposed expedition to Egypt, which they hoped might give some pretext in the end for aspersions and dishonor if he did not fall in the contest this he wisely foresaw and left josephine to guard his interests at home and use her unlimited influence to keep his star in the ascendancy malmaison was her home during the year of the syrian campaign without ostentation She remained in this beautiful retreat, adorning it with every possible attraction. The gardens and greenhouses were filled with the rarest flowers and exotics, of which she was passionately fond. Rich Etruscan vases and graceful statuary, chiseled by the best masters, ornamented the grounds and imparted an air of taste and expensive refinement that attracted amateurs from every quarter. Josephine's income was large, but she greatly exceeded it in gratifying the love of art and the lavish gifts she bestowed upon every applicant, from the founder of expensive but valuable institutions, down to the poor, threadbare writing master, who claimed the honor of first guiding Napoleon's pen Her generosity never consulted the length of her purse. End of Section Nineteen